Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. Welcome back to Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sam. And this week we have a returning guest, Professor Bev Myers. And we love chatting with her. Last time after we talked, we thought more about the common saying that first year they scare you to death, second year they work you to death, and third year they bore you to death. So listen to our conversation with Professor Myers on do they really bore you to death and how can you make the most of your third year in law school? Please help us welcome our return guest, Professor Bev Myers. Hi, Bev. How are you doing today? Doing great. I'm thrilled to be back talking to you guys. We are so happy to have you. So today's topic is something that we've been really wanting to just learn about because we're in our 3L year and we're always wondering like, what could we be doing with our time, you know, using our time wisely because we have so much of it or, you know, seems like we have more of it compared to the other years. Yeah. And there's that saying that goes around that in 3L, they bore you to death. So as someone who's mentored many, many law students and many lawyers, we want to know what you recommend students do in their 3L year and how to make it not boring. Sure. So uh, I had been listening to your podcast and I, you, you um, educated me about that saying, the first year they scare you, the second year they work you. And the third year they bore you, right? Yes. So I thought that perhaps we should have a different spin on that, where it's the third year you find you. And um, I can tell you a little bit about what I did my third year again a million years ago. <laughs> but um, I can also tell you that um, I've done a little research and I talked to a couple of uh, colleagues of mine, and uh, I can give you some of their insight too. So for me, um, my third year, I was an editor on the law review. Uh, so I was a comments editor. So that kept me busy. I think I told you too, that I did, uh, a trial advocacy seminar, like a, uh, testing program. And then they've, uh, since made that a mainstay of the curriculum. Um, and then I also did trial competitions, you know, where I went around the I wouldn't say around the country, but we did a regional championship and then we went to Texas and 
um, lost. Um, but those things were all uh, the types of activities that I was interested in, and I wasn't bored. Now, granted, you know, there's no doubt it, law school's still a lot of work your third year, so you've got to find time to do it. But um, I have talked to a couple other people, and one of the things they mentioned is, or one of them mentioned is, if you're not at you know one of the you know top law schools, or if you're in your particular area and you're not like top five percent of the class, then you really should be looking at your third year and even before that as your own way to kind of create create your own internship. Law firms now, the small law firms, expect you to come with a skill set. In other words, back in the day, you know, when I went to law school many years ago, we'd just show up and say, teach me. And um, I think the big firms will do that, but uh, the smaller firms, not so much. So they want you to hit the ground running. And um, I think you said that you've had some kind of um, skill set classes your third year. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just let me know about that. Yeah. So um, we or our our second year, we had like pretrial litigation where you kind of go through, you know, how to write a simple motion and, you know, summary judgment, stuff like that. Discovery. Yeah, discovery, um, interrogatories, all that kind of stuff. And then we also did, well, she's in trial practice right now and I had it last semester. And that's like the in-court practice. Yeah. Um, Where we've been, you know, we work on introducing exhibits, opening statements, closing statements, anything that has to do with a jury trial and I mean, potentially a bench trial, of course, but, you know, we talk a lot in that class about what the 12 people on the jury would think and so on. So I would definitely consider those, you know, skill classes. And well, that's um, great. No, they are. Yeah. And I I definitely considered those the classes I've learned probably in some of the most in. You also took contract drafting. I did. I took contract drafting as well. Yes. And that was a good skill class as well. But, you know, I'm not necessarily want to be a transactional lawyer. So, um, but it'll be good regardless because you deal with contracts as a lawyer all the time, right? You do. I mean, any settlement agreement is really a contract. And, yeah. um, you know, settlement ag- agreements is often what you use to end a case that's been going toward litigation, perhaps toward toward a jury trial. You know, it's interesting, too, because you talked about transactional versus litigation. And so how do you know that? How do you know what you might like? And and so I think it's important to figure that out. Although one of my colleagues did say it's harder to get transactional work than litigation work. I guess there's a heck of a lot of litigation. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, at least in our area, transactional work is definitely at bigger firms. Um, and not as many students get the bigger firm internships, you know? Yeah. So it's like a small subset of students who get to experience tra- like true transactional work, I think. Yeah. Right. And I think at the uh, bigger firms, it's, it's a good idea for students that are there to uh, ask to see if they can try out a, you know, a rotation in, in a particular transactional area and then in a litigation area. And uh, apparently, the uh, employers don't really want students to be like 
bouncing around. You know what I mean? So like if you went to a transactional firm for three months and then you went to a litigation firm for three months, but um, what they're really looking for is um, that you've created your own internship or externship before you get there and that you're hitting the ground running with some skills already. And I think it was, um, was it you, Haley, that was, you were talking, no, Sam, it was you talking about the 1983 work, and mm-hmm. that's what you're interested in. So here you are, which is a credit to you, already learning how to do that. I think uh, it's all interesting to learn before you get on the practice world, right? Yeah, and now that I'm thinking about it too, I had a civil rights litigation class, which was super helpful because you know, obviously you said, how do you know what you want to do? And I was about to speak up and then I realized that was a rhetorical question, but I definitely feel that I want to be a litigator because I kind of get that tingling feeling when I'm in the courtroom. Like I am loving trial practice this semester. I love learning about everything that's in the courtroom. I love the idea of being able to stumble and fall in there with my classmates and my professor and like learn from that because just objecting and being objected to, I think that's a huge part of it. And so many people talk about, or at least we've talked to have had experiences, internships, like at the DA's office, at the PD's office and with COVID and everything like that, I haven't been fortunate enough to be able to have a lot of trial experience and watch a lot of trials. So this is just a great opportunity for me to learn that finally. Yeah. And I think especially just like, I guess, tips for three L's, right? It would definitely be like, take as many practical courses as you can if you haven't been getting experience. I know that when I took trial practice last semester, that was the first time where I was like, I was in my internship in litigation already, but plus the trial practice um, experience. And I did well in pretrial litigation. So I think like all of those factors combined, it's kind of like, okay, I think I might be going on the right track. Yeah. Because, because you know, you want to be able in your, you know, interviews with an employer to be able to say, I'm ready. I can do this. Yeah. I'm ready to jump in and write motions. I'm ready to handle discovery. I'm ready to handle depositions. You know, you know what they are. You have some facility with them. I think all of that is really important. And and you mentioned um, another point, both of you, about DA's offices and public defender's offices. And um, those are, at least in California, those are incredibly competitive nowadays. You know, when I got in, uh, again, I was lucky. I, I was at a city attorney's office that essentially prosecuted misdemeanors. Um, and then I joined a DA's office in another county, and I just, you know, got in. <laughs> but now, apparently, you really need to have done internships there. Yeah. And um, what one of my colleagues mentioned was that you, uh, it, it's really not necessarily enough, even your, you know, third year, if you have the opportunity for somebody who knows they want to go to a DA's office to start working there and work there as much as they can. And I've even known people, you know, I don't know how people afford this, but um, that do their whole first year after law school as a volunteer at um, a district attorney's office. I know, Sam, you get very bug-eyed about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'm like, no, um, it, I've seen like, it live. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know, people do other things. I mean, we when I was um, 
the intern coordinator at the um, AG's office in uh, California, we um, had a lot, all our internships were volunteer. I mean, it could be credit. We had people come in the summer too, but people did a lot of different jobs. You know, they were waiters or they were, you know, paid law clerk somewhere else. Um, it just depended on, on, you know, what it was. If, you know, if you're going to be full-time, but unpaid at a DA's office for a year, then you've got to find some other way to do it. But unfortunately, those places are so competitive now that you you got to do what it takes to get in. Yeah. So if you, let's say you're in the middle of your 3L year and you really have, because of COVID and just like- Are you, you asking know, for a friend? No, no, this is just a hypothetical. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I probably have bunches of friends who are wondering the same question. So yeah, asking for a friend. No, it's true. I'm asking for a listener. Um, so let's say they're in the middle of their 3L semester and they're, they've noticed like, you know, with the times, like they haven't gotten a lot of experience and maybe they've neglected taking experiential courses or something like that. Like what can they do in these last few months before you know, taking the bar and applying for jobs, you know, to get ahead a little bit, you know, go to work. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes. Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. get a paid um, job. You know, I mean, people need the money and I can't, I mean, back, even back in my day, I remember all the guys showing up with ties all the time during our third year. So they were going to work. Yeah. And, and that's good for you. No, I know that will give you experience. Another point too, uh, when I talked to a different friend was about um, judicial internships and, um, If somebody is interested in doing a clerkship or even being, you know, as as a full-time position, being uh, a clerk to a judge or to a panel, you know, like the Ninth Circuit here in California, the federal court, 
that they should start doing those kinds of internships too um, in law school. And that will help. Um, you know, I, I think it's really interesting too. There's so much to learn in that. Um, I think you can learn too about which cases um, are result oriented. So in other words, you know, like if it's an affirmative action or abortion and you're working for a particular judge and, you know, hello, <laughs> you know what they, they, that particular judge wants the result to be. Yeah. Um, and then you write the opinion accordingly. And, um, you know, I think that's really interesting to know. And, and I think that that's, um, particularly at the um, lower courts, that's not necessarily how they approach every case. You know, I mean, that's probably the unusual case that's result oriented as a result of politics or, you know, their own um, p- political persuasion or how they feel about a particular issue. Um, but I think it's something that is a, a, a good lesson to learn. I'm just thinking about, you know, personally, I tried to make my own internship, like you said, and just kind of find things that I could do that weren't necessarily at school and that were centered around what I want to do. And the more and more I think about it, and you know how you said to go to work and get this experience around motions or opinions and different things like that. How do you know when you aren't ready though? Like, do you sometimes just kind of have to fake it till you make it in the sense that you just yes. like, are okay. You'll never, you'll never be ready. Okay, you know good. I mean? That makes me feel better. Right no one yeah. knows what they're doing. Do no one yeah. knows. No one ever knows what they're doing. Okay. Seriously. So but it's what just, you it's, do know is that what, how you draw on your experience so that you can argue things by analogy. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I was thinking you kind of just need to get exposure to these things, exposure to motions if you want to be a litigator, exposure to contracts if you want to be a transactional lawyer, right? And then you recall on that experience that you've had because, I mean, I kind of feel like being a lawyer is like just constantly learning the hard way in a (laughs) sense, right? Like you look at these cases and you learn from other people's mistakes or arguments and things like that. And you you learn from samples. And yeah, especially if you go to any kind of firm, if you're not a solo, and even if you are, you can, you know, um, talk with colleagues, but um, you're... You're never going to know exactly what you're doing. And, and, and also, um, if a case is on all fours, if there's an answer, then there's no issue. So yeah. there's always going to be something that isn't exactly right. And the thing about experience is then you have the wisdom to know how you draw upon your experience and where you can draw analogies and that kind of thing. I mean, I, I've had, you know, colleagues. Um, talk to me um, or like a friend of mine who's a solo practitioner and says, you know, how, how should I do blah, blah, blah. And I'll just say, um, well, why don't you just drop a stipulation that says blah, blah, blah. And she's like, um, where did you learn that? And I was like, I don't know. I made it up. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> That's what you do based on your experience. You make yeah. it up. I mean, I had one case once where uh, this woman was bringing a motion for writ of mandate. And um, I uh, believe that she didn't have standing and I wanted to demur her hearing. And um, the way the timing worked was that her motion on the merits was going to proceed 
my uh, standing demurrer. So I had to go in ex parte and ask the court to swap the deadlines. Did I ever learn that? No, I made it up. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I wrote it as an ex parte motion to exchange, you know, deadlines or something like that. So, so that's what you learn with experience. Yeah. And I guess with experience, you also learn, you know, what is more routine. And over time, as a new lawyer, you learn, okay, a motion in limine is supposed to look like this. Uh, you know, a motion to compel is supposed to look like this. I'm supposed to answer discovery and it's supposed to look like this. But I've, and I think what I'm getting from what you're saying is within that, within the law, it's, that's what being a lawyer is, right? Is like making up these arguments. Yeah. Making it. And you're not expected to, you can't know it all beforehand. You know, the only way I think I mentioned this last time, the only way through it is through it. And that's where it's really helpful you know, particularly for, you know, the legal practice is writing. There is, you know, oral argument, but that's such a small part of it, really. And it's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily make a huge difference. You know, and people ask for oral argument on the Court of Appeal. Court of Appeals already written the decision, you know, and it comes out like the minute oral argument ends, you know, so like they didn't, they didn't need it. Nobody needed it. But I mean, it can make a difference. Don't get me wrong. But my point is um, motions, you know, or um, different kinds of, you know, like you say, contracts or settlement agreements or complaints and demurrers. Get samples right from that. And that's how you do it. And then you have facility with using that sample. Get it as a Word document <laughs> so that you can tailor it. You don't have to rewrite everything. Yeah. 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 That is definitely one of the things I learned when I started my internship um, at the firm I'm at. I did not know how to write a motion in limine or any of that. And they would like one of the attorneys would just bring me, here's one of my samples that I like have that I, you know, use. And then I just made my own and now I have it like tucked away. So I just use it as my, you know, yeah, baseline. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I remember um, when I went to the AG's office and I'd been in a couple of, um, I was at a city attorney's office and a DA's office. And then we were doing, um, initially I was in a prison litigation um, section. And so, and then it was like, oh, you know, your motion for summary judgment is due to the state. And I was like, uh, never wrote one of those before looks hard <laughs> and uh, got a bunch of, you know, samples from other people. And then, of course, you have to work with what you have and, you know, you create your evidence, you create your declarations, you know, what have you. If you had depositions, you know, you um, affix the transcript and, you know, that type of thing. But um, that's why samples are so important. And that's why consulting with um, other uh, lawyers is is really helpful too. But I don't I, I don't want to suggest to you too or to your listeners that um, if you haven't done all of these things before your third year, you know, you are really in trouble. You know, I don't mean that at all. Um, all I mean is, you know, use that third year. If you have that in front of you, and it sounds like both of you have been using law school really well to further your own careers. And um, so 
So that's good. And I don't mean, you know, okay, now we've got what, three months before the bar, hurry up, get out there and get a job. Don't do that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Don't stress yourselves out, you know, but if you're looking ahead of you and you're thinking, okay, with a clean slate, what should I be doing? These are what my suggestions are. Absolutely. What do you say to the 3L that doesn't have a job yet? Oh, God, there's so many of them. That's like the majority of law students, right? Yeah. Most Everybody in my trial practice jobs. class, most of us were like, only one person that's a 3L has a job as of right now. So, yeah. you know, are, should we be worrying about finding a job right now? Should we be worried about that after we take the bar? I mean, like you said, it's only three months before we take the bar. So, you know, where do we put our, our work and our time? Yeah. Which basket do you put your eggs in? Exactly. Um, I think that first of all, relax and breathe. It's all going to be okay. You've got this whole career ahead of you. Heck, you could take the bar, you go to Europe. You know what I mean? And, you know, life in the law firm is going to be waiting for you, you know, and it's just a matter of time. So um, I would say, don't, you know, don't stress about any of it. Um, I think that, you know, If, again, if you're like at this top tier law school and, you know, like Stanford and all the interviewers are coming there and you've got your pick of jobs, you know, that's one thing. But that's such a small percentage of people out there. And I don't want anybody to feel badly about themselves that way. You know what I mean? That that's, you know, it's a whole different subset. And most people are in the position that you're saying you're in. I mean, I suppose if you guys were at the beginning of your third year, you might want to think about, um, uh, you know, a job somewhere that where you can get these skills and that, you know, it might be something that they would hire you. But, you know, how do you know that? You can't plan all that, right? I mean, you can't yeah. like go to an interview and go like, oh, are you going to hire me? You know? What's your intentions? So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So just relax, do the best you can, and um, literally, you know, have a work-life balance, um, especially before you go take the bar. Um, The bar is its own um, animal, and I have some thoughts about that. I don't know if you want me to talk about that now or if you want to talk about it uh, separately. Oh, yeah. Share share with us. I mean, because I feel like as a 3L, it's just part of the process. Uh, I joke that yes. we're in purgatory. We're waiting to graduate and then we're waiting to take the bar. So yes, share your right. thoughts on what you think about the studying for the bar experience. And like, you know, mm-hmm. you say it's a beast in itself and I just immediately go to the worst case scenario in my head, but mm-hmm. is it just, you know, am I just overthinking it? Mm-hmm. Yes. You're overthinking <laughs> I feel like, it. Yeah. That's what I feel like. You're, everyone you're probably going to be just fine. Everyone always says it's doable, right? And they're like, it's, it's, I think it's just like, it's such a stressful time for sure. I think okay. everyone knows that, but also like it's doable, you know, yeah, and many people, people have done it. it. Yeah. And, like, you know, most people do pass it when they take it. Right. Yeah. Right. I think it's a bit of like running a marathon. You know, it's one of those things where you just kind of gird yourself for it. And um, anyway, my thought is um, between the end of law school and when you start studying for the bar have some fun okay relax you know um i actually wrote a blog on um 
five tips for people who have failed the bar. And, um, you know, so one of which is for them, like, take some time off. So the same thing here, because you're going to have to really focus when you get there. I would also recommend a little bit of, uh, this may sound touchy-feely, but a little bit of meditation where you um, think about things you're grateful for so you can put the bar in perspective. And another thing that I'd suggest is thinking about what you do well, particularly in law, so you can build your own confidence. And then um, then I think, um, you know, don't forget about what worked for you in law school when you go studying for the bar. So in other words, if you're taking a bar review course and it's like totally auditory, but you're somebody that is a visual learner, so remember those things about yourself, then make sure that you work on what has worked for you. So in other words, for me, I was a, I'm was i a very visual learner. I see everything like up here. And so when I took the bar, um, I made an outline of the outline, and then I really crammed that in my head and memorized that. And I could literally see my elements like above my head. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what worked for me. But, you know, some people are also kinesthetic learners where they um, learn by doing, right? By, you know, doing problems. And I would say, too, if um, um, you think that you might um, struggle with legal analysis or legal writing, that's a really good time to take my course. I mean, it's a little plug for myself, but third year, you know, and... um, My course, um, you know, I think I mentioned is legalwritinglaunch.com. And um, in it, we write memos and we write letters and we write a motion and we write an appellate brief. And that's the performance test, right? So, you know, that's it's a good time to take it. It could take, you know, anywhere from like six weeks to two months if you're, you know, because each assignment takes Oh, probably about four hours to do, you know what I mean, to actually work through. But that's when you're going to be. So that's the other piece about the bar, too. I would say when you're studying for the bar, make sure you do the problems, but not just the problems. Um, make sure you play with Play-Doh. So in other words, you know, roll up your sleeves, see what one element is. And we talked about this last time. And Make one side's argument using the facts and that legal element and the other side's argument. So, for instance, you know, if the element is, you know, armed, we're talking about armed bank robbery and the um, element is, was this wooden gun a dangerous weapon? And the case law on it shows that uh, a dangerous weapon is something where somebody perceived it to, uh, to be frightening. To them, so one teller, teller thought that it was um, a fake gun, you know, and the other thought it was real and was scared. So then, you know, you got your arguments for each side, right, about whether it was a dangerous weapon. But that's what I mean: play with the play-doh, roll up your sleeves. So be thinking that way. And and there's there's a lot that you can kind of fudge on the bar, in the mm-hmm. sense that if you're willing to do that, you might not remember, you know all of the elements, but you can figure them out by the problem and have confidence in yourself 
that you can figure that out. But I would say I had a very rigorous routine for the bar, um, but it was a you know um, pretty standard. I mean, in other words, I would get up at like eight in the morning, and I would take the bar review course. You know, at nine we had to go to school for it. I believe this was at University of San Diego, and then I would take uh, two hours and take a swim. You know, because that was something that was really good for me. And then I came back and I studied till like six. You know, and um, and uh, and again, and I tried to keep myself on that schedule. You know, contracts, property, evidence, you know, everything is like three days. It's all you get to study of it. And so I would make my like mini outline and start memorizing and do so many problems each day. And then as I got closer, I really worked on my memorization, and I still worked on the problems you know, and that type of thing. But I had to give myself some breaks. I mean, as you get closer, you are probably going to stay up later to do it. But don't go into the bar at like where you didn't sleep the night before. I mean, you know, stay cool, relax, you know, and um, just stay focused, be present and be ready to um, show off a little bit. Show off how smart you are. Show off how you can work with these facts based upon the elements. Yeah, I love that. That's a good way to frame your mindset too. Yeah. You know, and I've heard so many times of people who didn't pass it the first time. They talk about not being confident or not actually thinking that they can do it. And I think the meditation can really help with that. I also am putting it in perspective. Like you said, like this is a doable thing. This is something we can wrap our mind around one day at a time. This is mm-hmm. keep showing up. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. No, I totally yep. agree with everything you said. And it makes me feel a lot better. I am one to worry, worry, worry. And I try to keep it in and pretend like everything's okay. But it's just getting closer and closer. And I am the kind of person who gets really nervous at the, at the before part. Right. You know, and so right. I feel like when it gets closer, I'll be still nervous. But it's like game day. It's getting closer mm-hmm. to game day. So I think... And uh, that's scary. That's scary. I want to acknowledge that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you want to, as you start getting closer to just even studying, your your voice is uh, going to go up an octave. You're going to talk literally. to everybody. You know, Hi, how are you? I'm okay. You know? Literally. That's, how, it, that's exactly yeah. how I'm feeling. Like the closer it gets, I'm like, huh, huh, you know, um, it's already February. What? It's already February. You know, I just can't right. my mind around that. It's just continuously hurrying along right I think about when I was a kid and how I wanted my life to hurry up and now I'm like slow down I don't want to take the (laughs) I can't believe it's already time for us to take the bar I know my last question for you is when it comes to studying for the bar I know a lot of people focus on or programs focus on the MBE and multiple choice questions but you as a writing coach, as someone who I'm sure thinks that that's a huge part of the bar as well, you know, is that something that people can use your course for to practice and get ready for writing for the bar? You think that that would oh, be absolutely. helpful? Yeah. My course is great for my club. My course is playing with Play-Doh. That's what my course is. And so that's very important for essays, right? And it's very important for the performance test. So, I mean, what I told you last time is like, I'm not a bar coach in the sense that I don't know if they say, okay, put every issue up and then put a rule and underline it. You know, I don't know if that's, but I, I'll help you to think. 
I'll help you to analyze, you know, in the deductive reasoning process, being really logical and making sure that you work with the facts and that you use one side's argument and then counter analysis, but at the right point in time, right? That's what you've got to do. I do this thing in my uh, legal writing launch. The very first assignment in a power pack paragraph is about a burglary problem. And it's breaking and entering, you know, the elements, breaking and entering a dwelling with intent to steal. Well, there's a case that they use that defines a dwelling as an area that's capable of being fenced in. So immediately students want start talking they um, define the elements and they just start talking about a dwelling because they're all excited there's a case there. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can get to dwelling, but get to it when you get to dwelling. So in other words, let's go with breaking and entering first. Then let's get to dwelling. And then let's talk about that and talk about the facts for that. So it's sort of that whole idea of being really, really logical. Yeah. And I hear points, points, points for the mm-hmm. bar exam <laughs> when you say yeah. don't skip yeah. an element, yeah. right? Like yeah. I think so many times we're just like so excited to talk about breach and negligence and we forget about, you know, proximate cause or just things like that. Right. And I think we have definitely learned in our pre-bar studies class to break down the law into elements into little bite-sized pieces to really apply your facts. So well, I, you can spit it out back. Mm, exactly. So but I think what that, I will say that's a is idea. that a, a friend of mine who took uh, California bar and then took other two other bars back east didn't even study for the third bar. But again, because she was so used to playing with the Plato. So she went in there and, and a lot of times, like I said, if they're you don't know all the elements, but you can figure them out from the problem, yeah. then you can work with it accordingly. So, Yeah, and once you've had that experience that we were talking about earlier, I'm sure it makes it easier to issue spot mm-hmm. and really just talk about how these different facts. And I mean, when you think about it, the bar at law school, they give you those facts for a reason. Mm-hmm. Just like you're saying, you know, if they give you exactly. those facts. It's supposed to trigger And something. this isn't foreign to either of you. You've been taking law school exams. You've been doing fine in them, you know, well enough. And uh, this is what you do. I mean, what I'm saying is not news to you, yeah. right? So exactly. it's just doing more of the same and realize it's the same thing with the bar. Amazing. So you're just going to have to steal yourself and uh, be calm, be relaxed, and uh, work hard while you're in there. You know, use your time management. That's why it's good to do practice um, exams that are timed yeah. to understand. And, you know, I'll tell you one thing. I did, uh, I had the performance test the very first year they gave it in California. And uh, the even crazier thing was that my trial coach was a professor at my law school and he was working on a performance test. And I don't know why it was, but I figured out after that. It was his question. And I said, Walt, did you do that reverse class action? He was like, yes. You know? So it was really funny about wow. that. But yeah, but the important thing is to, um, you know, know, know what you've used successfully, you know, get in there and work with it and think about it. You know, what is the bar? The bar is a gatekeeper. The bar is to know that they don't want incompetent people to practice. And what does that mean? 
they don't want somebody who ignores the law and they don't want somebody who ignores the facts. So that's why you've got to marry the two, you know, in whatever writing you do. And that's, you know, what I talk about when um, in Legal Writing Launch is about, you know, the importance of a topic sentence where you don't just say, um, Court's likely to find, or jury's likely to convict our client of armed bank robbery, period. Well, why? You know, because he used a toy gun or a wooden gun that was um, shaped like a real gun um, and, and, uh, and scared a teller with it. Um, and so we've got that combination of law and facts, right? And so, so when you're playing with your Play Doh, when you're rolling up your sleeves to work with the facts, really work with it all, and then do it in those bite-sized pieces. And what are the bite-sized pieces? Those are the elements. And just go chronologically. You know what I mean? Just go in order. You know, I, I say to students, you know, law is so easy, but it's so hard. Um, you don't. It's not rocket science, and you don't have to make things up, and you don't have to be creative, and you don't have to be philosophical. You just have to do what you're supposed to do, which is. <laughs> IREC in a nutshell. Yeah. Right? IREC or crack. Yeah. It's funny because it seems like so like mm-hmm. just do this and then it's like, but what are we doing? You know? <laughs> it's just <laughs> the law is just a whole nother ball game. And I think that's why we tell all of our pre-law students, you know, just get ready to totally be reshaped and remolded into this new mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is just a great little taste of what they have to look forward to as they progress through law school and become three L's just like us and lawyers one day, just like you. Just like me. Um, I do think that there is an inclination for law students and new lawyers to, um, especially with that topic sentence to just go right to the law. Why? You know, um, Armed bank robbery is defined as blah, blah, blah. Um, Because the law is new to them. They're excited about it. They want to show off that they know it. But it doesn't do anybody good, if any good, if we don't have the facts that relate to it. Because otherwise, you know, let's say we have a criminal defense practice um, and we have a number of cases. Let's say we're federal. So we might have a few armed robbery armed bank robbery cases. And it's like, well, which one is this? Right? So, I mean, that's the really the big importance about marrying the facts with the law. You always have the best advice. Like last time when we chatted, I felt, you know, so calm and like, okay, I got this. And like today you just, you know, calmed my nerves. I'm sure she calmed your nerves too. And I'm sure you just calmed every 3L's nerves out there. Especially about the job thing. I think that that is just so you know, we're all type A people, we're all go-getters. And the fact that we're imagining graduating and taking the bar without a job lined up is horrifying, but it's common and it's normal and it's part of the process. You know what it is too, is that somehow you feel less than. You feel, I don't have a job. There are a few people I know that have a job. Am I a loser? You know, and and you don't want to feel that way about yourself, and you're not, because this is really uh, more common to not have jobs than to have them. So uh, you shouldn't internalize that and make that be about yourself. Yes, 
Thank you. Preach. Amen. <laughs> Love it all. Amen. Yes, exactly. Well, Bev, will you tell everyone where they can find Legal Writing Launch and what they can do when they find you to join your program? Yes, absolutely. So Legal Writing Launch is at www.legalwritinglaunch.com. And we have three levels of the course. We have a course that's really can be taken all electronically. And a lot of things I talked about today, where you have, you know, your topic sentences and mix of law and facts and using IRAC or crack, you know, specifically is something that I teach. And if people are really jammed and they just want to get sort of um, an introduction to this kind of drill down kind of thinking, they can just take the electronic version. Then the next level is assignment editing. And that's where you work directly with me. You, I, there are seven assignments. I give them to you in order and then uh, you write them and I edit them. And the third level, which I really recommend is where people work with me directly Um, on the assignment editing, and then I meet with them on Zoom so we can have these kinds of conversations. And I feel like I'm a bit of a coach or mentor and a cheerleader. (laughs) So um, I like to know students and how they're doing and to encourage them. You know, that's part of what I really enjoy about this uh, third path that I've taken in my life. <laughs> this third level path. I mean, the first level was a student like you guys, and then was a lawyer for 30 years and a law professor. And now the third level is law professor. And then this kind of um, teaching, you know, my separate, my own business, which I really love. So. Yes. Well, we are so happy that you joined us again today and shared your knowledge. Like Samantha said, you always just have such a calming effect. And I think that's why you make such a great mentor. So we appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. And we are definitely looking into using your programs. So everyone else, you guys should do it too. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Bev. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So as we heard, your 3L year does not have to be super boring. You can actually do a lot of things that are going to help you in your career, like creating your own internship slash externship. Um, I think that was great advice for a lot of us who, you know, feel like, oh my gosh, if I don't do OCI, like what am I going to do? You can literally create your own internship. Yeah. And sometimes all you have to do is ask for it and seek out people at your school who can help you make connections with different agencies and government organizations and different groups. I mean, depending on where you live, you can work for nonprofits, um, even bigger companies. You know, you just kind of have to have those connections. And when you're a law student, people want to help you and they want to teach you. And honestly, they (laughs) want to take advantage of that cheap labor that they can uh, use out of you. So give it to them. And I know that I talked a little bit about, you know, making my own internship. And I think that that wasn't something that I always had in my mind. And I feel like if I was too set on, you know, doing the status quo, I might not have, you know, reached out to the EEOC and gotten my externship. I also think a point that I loved and I know a lot of you 3Ls out there will love it too, is the fact that you don't have to have a job offer before you graduate. 
like she said, most people don't. So don't feel like you're the odd one out. Most people are graduating without a job right now. And once you pass the bar, you're way more marketable. So just like keep that in mind too. Yeah. And I really liked when she answered my question, you know, I said, when do you know that you're ready? And she's like, never, you're never going to think that you're ready. You're never going to know that you're ready. You just kind of have to go out there and do it. And that confidence comes with time and you have to be like willing to fall and get back up. And I think that that's why we preach here that it's so nice to have people that can help you up in that process. And as you know, we like to say, not we like to say, it's just really a saying, but you know, when you were saying like you can fall down and get back up again, the law is practice. It's literally called the practice of law and you're, it, it takes practice, you know, for like she said, a marathon, all these kinds of things takes practice. So, you know, don't expect to go into a job thinking you're going to know everything right off the bat. Trust me, partners that are 65 years old still don't know what's going on sometimes. So. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, as always, make sure and like us on Facebook, join our Facebook group if you feel so obliged. Also follow us on Instagram. We're always trying to share some new mantras and just things to keep us going because I know we're struggling. It's after spring break. So hang in there, guys. And on that note, stay safe, stay healthy. And if you have Barrister's Ball soon, um, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Ours is uh, this upcoming weekend, so we'll probably, you know, be spamming Instagram, so (laughs) beware. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.